Our scripture reading for this morning comes to us from Leviticus chapter 21. This chapter deals with the regulations and the conduct of the priests in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, None shall defile himself for the dead among his people, except for his relatives who are nearest to him, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, and his brother. Also his virgin sister who is near to him, who has had no husband, for her he may defile himself. Otherwise he shall not defile himself, being a chief man among his people, to profane himself. They shall not make any bald place on their heads, nor shall they shave the edges of their beards, nor make any cuttings in their flesh. They shall be holy to their God, and not profane the name of their God. For they offer the offerings of the Lord, made by fire, and, eat, and, the, and the bread of their God. Therefore they shall be holy." They shall not take a wife who is a harlot or a defiled woman, nor shall they take a woman divorced from her husband, for the priest is holy to his God. Therefore you shall consecrate him, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord who sanctify you, am holy. The daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by playing the harlot, she profanes her father. She shall be burned with fire. He who is the high priest among his brethren, and on whose head the anointing oil was poured, and who is consecrated to wear the garments, shall not uncover his head, nor tear his clothes. Nor shall he go near any dead body, nor defile himself for his father or his mother, nor shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor profane the sanctuary of his God. For the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is upon him. I am the Lord. And he shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow or a divorced woman or a defiled woman or a harlot. These he shall not marry. But he shall take a virgin of his own people as wife. Nor shall he profane his posterity among his people. For I, the Lord, sanctify him. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, No man of your descendants in succeeding generations who has any defects may approach to offer the bread of his God. For any man who has a defect shall not approach. A, blind, a man blind or lame who has a marred face or any limb that is too long, a man who has a broken foot or a broken hand, or is a hunchback or a dwarf, or a man who has a defect in his eye, or eczema or a scab, or is a eunuch, no man of the descendants of Aaron, the priest, who has a defect shall come near to offer the offerings made by fire to the Lord. He has a defect. He shall not come near to offer the bread of his God. He may eat the bread of his God, both the most holy and the holy, only he shall not go near the veil 
or approach the altar, because he has a defect, lest he profane my sanctuaries, for I, the Lord, sanctify them. And Moses told it to Aaron and his sons and to all the children of Israel. This far the reading of God's holy word. And this passage will be our focus today as we consider how this shows us the need for Christ, the perfect priest and high priest. After God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, he, he led them into the wilderness, and he said in Exodus 19 that they would be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation to him. And so they were to represent God's holiness to the world. But at the very, also at the very center of their own worship, of their own nation, was the tabernacle. And the tabernacle represented that access to God Himself, that the, into the presence of the Holy God. And so within the nation of Israel, there was also a, a circle of increasing holiness. When Israel had to set up camp in the wilderness, the most of the tribes would set up in a circular pattern, and then within that circular pattern, the Levites would create another inner circle. This served as, as a buffer zone between the other tribes and the tabernacle, which is at the very center. And then within that tribe of Levi, as we read here, there was Aaron and his sons were called to be the priests. They were the ones to serve in the tabernacle, and then Aaron himself would be the high priest. He was anointed with that special anointing oil. He wore the special garments, and he only once a year could enter into the Holy of Holies to offer that sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. And this represented the very access into the presence of God. And so even in how Israel was structured, it showed that increasing pattern of holiness as they came to that center, to the very presence of God. And so this represents and points to that perfect holiness that is required for anyone to see God. Hebrews 12 says that without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. And then a few chapters before in Leviticus 19, God commanded the children of Israel, He said, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And it shows that God is absolutely separate from sin. And anyone who is to enter into His presence must be perfectly holy and without sin, without blemish. And so as the priests were in the center here of this, this circle, and as we read in this chapter, it shows how the priests, being closer to the representation of God, they had to be, they were held to a higher standard of holiness. They were to be morally and ceremonially pure and clean because they foreshadowed, they pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ, who would be that perfect Lamb of God, that perfect high priest without spot and without blemish. He was completely separate from sin. And as we also in previous weeks began to study Christ and His offices of prophet, priest, and king, this here really focuses on His office as priest. It's a requirement for His office as priest. 
And so our theme this morning is Christ's holiness. Christ's holiness. And first we want to see that Christ was required and was absolutely holy in Himself. In verse 6, it says, speaking of the priests here, they shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God, for they offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God. Therefore, they shall be holy. The requirements of the priests show, as they point towards Christ, that He would be the absolute holy one. And these priests were the visible representation of the holiness that God requires of all His people. And here it says they must not profane the name of the Lord. And so that means to dishonor or to disgrace or to shame the name of the holy God. And for the priests, any deviation from these ceremonial requirements would defile them. It would cause them to profane the name of the Lord. And the priests, they represented that, that fellowship of the tribe of Israel, or the nation of Israel, with God when they offered these sacrifices and when they brought this bread of fellowship into the tabernacle. And, and so they were required to have both that ceremonial and the actual holiness in their lives. They shall be holy, it said. They must be, it, it represented that they needed to be separate from the corruption of sin. Corruption is the result of sin. And so this points to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and for that, in, in verse 1, it says, None shall defile them himself for the dead among his people, except for his relatives. So part of their ceremonial um, requirements was that they could not have any contact with dead bodies. They could not be in the presence of dead, a dead person. They couldn't be in the same room. They couldn't walk over their graves. This would defile them, make them ceremonially unclean. And the only exception was for their close relatives. And so as the priest, he was the chief man, it says. He was the representative of the people. And if he defiled himself and became ceremonially unclean, he would be unable to serve in his office of priest. And so a dead body here is the picture of the result of sin in the world. The wages of sin is death. And when a body dies, it corrupts, it decays. And for the priest, you can see how impossible this was to maintain this perfect ceremonial cleanness through their life. We, we, we are not separated from death as people. There's death and there's corruption all around us. And we ourselves are subject to the penalty of death. And so these priests they, and the animal sacrifices that they had to bring all showed them the need for that perfect priest to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. It all pointed to the greater need because He is the life. In the Lord Jesus Christ, He Himself was perfectly separated from death Himself. Because Christ was separate from all sin. The Bible says He knew no sin. And therefore, He did not incur the curse of the law and the penalty of death on Himself by His own actions. 
He did not suffer the effects of, of death, which is corruption. Christ's body would not see corruption as we sang. And death could not hold him, for he arose from the grave. When he, when he came to Lazarus' grave, his sister said, he's already been here for three or four days. He, he, he'll, he'll be stinking already. He'll be corrupting already. But Christ was so holy in himself, so morally pure and, and sinless, that he was not subject to this death on his own account. And so all the sufferings that the Lord Jesus Christ endured in this world, he suffered as a substitute for his people not because of his own sins. He was that perfect priest, holy, without blemish, but he suffered as a substitute for sinners so that he could deliver sinners from death. And that is why he could come into this world and touch dead bodies and, and raise them to life and not be defiled. He could raise them to life because Christ changed death to life. He called Lazarus out of the grave and said, Lazarus, arise. He defeated death. And to emphasize this, these priests, they were not to participate in any pagan rituals and or activities related to death. They were not to, uh, verse 5 there, it says they were not to shave their heads or their beards or make bald spots or any cuttings in their flesh. They were not to have these pagan signs of mourning for the dead. In Leviticus 19, verse 27, also it says a similar thing for all the people. It forbids any divination or soothsaying or cuttings in their flesh for the dead or any, or any tattoo marks on their skin. He says, for I am the Lord. And those are pagan practices. They're forbidden for the children of God because the children of God have a, have a hope of eternal life. And especially here for the priests who represented the God of life. And so here we are taught to see the Lord Jesus Christ, who by His sinless perfection gives life and delivers people from corruption. And so not only is He holy in Himself, but He also has come to present a church that is holy. And that's our second thought, Christ holy in His church in verse 7. So the priests as, as office bearers in the church were, were held to this higher standard of, of, of purity and they were only to set their affections on what was pure. Their, their families had to be pure. And so here it speaks about the priests were not supposed to marry any harlot or any defiled woman or a divorced woman. It says, verse 7, because the priest is holy to his God. And verse 8 says, therefore you shall consecrate him, for he offers the bread of your Lord, of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I the Lord who sanctify you, am holy. And so God set them apart for this purpose. And the priest would to, was to avoid anything that would be destructive to his marriage bond or anything that would bring disunity to it. Nothing defiled could enter that marriage union. He must be holy. In those days, adultery was punishable by death. And though even though divorce did happen, it was it tolerated because of, or it happened because of sin. The Lord Jesus said it was tolerated only because of the hardness of their heart. That was not the intention of marriage as God created it. And that's not the picture that marriage is supposed to give. 
And so these priests could not marry anyone who was divorced or defiled. And that it extended to their children, verse 9. The children of priests had, had a greater responsibility because they were in a family of greater privileges. And there was a greater punishment if they sinned. In verse 9 it says, If the daughter has sinned in such ways and she would profane her father and her family and the punishment was death. And so the priest had to ensure that there was no sin, no defilement, even in his family. This reminds us of the purity of Christ's church and His bride, the need for the perfect priest for the church of God. The priests could not maintain perfect holiness in their families. You think of Eli. His sons were corrupt. Even Aaron's own sons sinned. But they represented Christ, who is the perfect priest, who has come to purify to Himself a church, a bride, and children of God. And marriage is to represent that union between Christ and His church. Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So here we are to see Christ, this perfect priest who purifies a bride to himself free of sin and corruption and defilement. But then it leads us further in verse 10 to see Christ as our only high priest, Because he also represents that access into the very presence of God. In verse 10, it speaks of the high priest being anointed with the special anointing, and he had these special garments to wear. So this brings us even a step closer to the very center of that circle of holiness. And the requirements for the high priest here are even greater than for the other priests because he was to represent Christ even more closely. And he was the one to enter into that very presence of God in the tabernacle. And so in verse 11, the high priest could not even attend the burial of his own parents. In Leviticus 10, Aaron was not even allowed to mourn for the death of his two sons, Nadab and Abihu, when they sinned by bringing strange fire to the altar, and the Lord killed them with the fire from heaven. He was not permitted to show any signs of mourning by tearing his clothes or uncovering his head. And he was not permitted to even leave the sanctuary, to leave his place of work. He's not permitted to leave his duties and his services as high priest on behalf of the people. And so he had to be so disassociated from death, and even more because he was the one to approach into the holy presence of God to offer on a day of atonement. And so even his bereavement had to be subordinate to the service of the Lord. He had to have the mind of Christ to submit his will to the will of God as Christ would. And that's what Christ did is he submitted himself to his Father with that self-denying love for the redemption of his people. 
And such was the love and the work and the service of Christ when He came down, Philippians 2 says, from heaven, taking the form of a bondservant and humbling Himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Here He was, the express image of God, who who did not consider it robbery to be called equal with God, no sin unlike the high priest here. And yet He humbled Himself to the point of death. And it was even for this very reason that the high priest in Matthew 26 ripped His clothes because He said that Jesus made Himself equal with God. He called Himself the Son of God. And so there the high priest ripped His clothes at that sign of horror. But the Lord Jesus Christ is our great high priest who by His holiness entered into the presence of God for us. He never left or neglected His duty, but He made that perfect atonement for sin with His own life on the cross. In this life we see death, we see broken marriages, we see corruption, we see sorrow, all as a consequences of sin. But Christ is so entirely separate from all these, this, this sin and corruption on His own account. But He has come as that representative, that perfect, holy representative of His church to redeem the corrupt and fallen world to Himself, to conform a bride to His holiness. And it is In Revelation 19, it speaks of that bride. It says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give us Him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So we're to see Jesus, who is made high priest forever. Then another point they bring up here in verses 16 through 21 is that Christ Himself was without blemish, holy without blemish. We all suffer the effects of sin in various ways. In verse 17, Moses said to Aaron, No man of your descendants in succeeding generations who has any defect may approach to offer the bread of his God. But Christ had no sin in Himself. But Christ was also not corrupted or affected or by, the, by the effects of sin. Here no one could be a priest if they had any visible blemishes because of this fallen world that we live in, any defect. All the visible effects of the, uh, these are all visible effects of the fall of sin. And they could not draw near into the presence of God. They could not enter the service of the Lord because they are considered ceremonially impure. And so this speaks of the, the corruption, of the effects of sin and corruption. And, and this sin is what defiles us and separates us from God. And it speaks of that moral perfection that is required to be in the presence of God, of the holy God. There cannot be any sin, any impurity, any blemish, any moral deviation from the holy perfection of God's law and righteousness. And we know that we all fall short of this because every one of us has sinned. There is none that does good, the Bible says. No, not one. And so here the high priest had to offer 
for his own sins first, because he also was not perfect, and then for the sins of his people. But here we're to see Christ as our great high priest, who was without blemish, both the perfect offering for sin as a lamb without blemish, but also the perfect offerer, the perfect priest, the perfect high priest, who had no blemish, who was not affected by sin at all. Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Hebrews 7 says, And also there were many priests, because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, and who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. And so here Christ is that one, that only great high priest who is perfected forever, who was always perfect and holy. And by this, Peter says, we can know that we're not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of the Lamb without blemish and without spot. And so here we are to see not only Christ as He came to lay down His life as that perfect sacrifice, but even now He continues forever in His, in his role as high priest interceding for transgressors. And it is with that we come to our last point that Christ serves us as our only high priest. In verse 22 it says, He may eat of the bread of His God, both the most holy and the holy. Only He shall not go near the veil or approach the altar, because He has a defect, lest you profane my sanctuaries. For I, the Lord, sanctify them. And so it is only through Christ, our only high priest, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners, who himself entered into the most holy place, into the presence of God, offering up himself as that spotless Lamb of God, that we now can have access into the presence of God and to eat the bread of God. A person with any, any, ble any blemish there could not be a priest. They could not serve the Lord. He cannot enter into that veil of the tabernacle. He cannot enter into the holy place to offer the bread on the table or to light the lamps in the tabernacle. He was forbidden from entering. But yet here God says He may eat of the bread His God when it's brought by the priests. And as we examined ourselves this week, and as you examined your sins, your past life, not only this week, but your, your past life, every day of our life, we see how many blemishes, how, how much we're defiled, how, how much sin and corruption there is. We, we feel it. We see the effects. We bear the effects of sin and corruption in our life. And what does this make us realize? makes us realize that we are by nature barred from access to God. 
not permitted to go behind that veil into His presence, not permitted to enter God's presence by ourselves. But in Christ, our holy high priest, we can eat the bread of fellowship with God and with His people to draw near into His presence because He is the one who provides this through Christ, His priest. And then to belong to that bride which He Himself is purifying to Himself. As though we can never remove these defects ourselves. As though we can never overcome this corruption of death that we're all subject to. As though we can never enter into the holy courts of heaven ourselves by our own merits or works. But just like the person here who had the most visible defects of the corruption of sin and shame in their body, they could still eat when the priest brought the bread to them. They could still eat of that fellowship with God, and so you can still eat of this fellowship with God through Christ, your sinless high priest who entered into God's presence on your behalf, being the sinless high priest and the sinless offering. And in Christ you receive then that eternal life, And that forgiveness of sins that He freely bestows, that removal of that corruption forever, that one day to be glorified in His presence, where all corruption will be taken away forever, when you'll be raised in immortality and incorruptibleness. Even these priests and even the high priest can never do that. But Christ has accomplished it as our perfect high priest. And He offered Himself as a sacrifice for sinners. And that is what's represented here every time at the table of the Lord with the broken bread and the poured out wine. And now He freely gives all these benefits of His redeeming work to those who have learned to see that by your own corruption you are disqualified, but who have found in Christ that full and that free access to the presence of God Himself. And here He provides freely every blessing in Christ Jesus to those who still see that we are blemished and corrupt in ourselves. But here is Christ presented to you, life from the dead, the incorruptible one presented to the corruptible ones. He is the one who says you may eat of the bread of your God because He is the one who has merited for you. He is the one who serves it to you. He is the one who has merited by His own life and His own death on the cross. And He is the one who says do this in remembrance of Me. Amen.